0: To another episode of Saying the Tone and ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren, hello, and Daniel.
1: Hey. Today
0: we'll be discussing Season Six, Episode Eighteen, which is held Match Made in Heaven. Oh, Lauren, this episode's about us.
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the episode aired on April thirteenth in the year two thousand. Lauren, what was going on that week twenty-two years ago?
1: The fun police arrive as the band Metallica files a lawsuit against peer to peer file sharing service Napster after it is discovered that the band's forthcoming single, I Disappear, had already leaked and was being freely distributed by users of the program, along with their entire musical catalog. The lawsuit sought $10 million in damages due to copyright infringement and started a chain of similar lawsuits that would eventually result in the service shutting down in 2001 and filing for bankruptcy in 2002. This whole thing is still being studied as of when I was in college from 10, 2010 to 2014 for the music business. Really? Yep.
0: I suppose, yeah, it is one of the bigger things in recent Co- times.
1: Copyright and how all of this affects and how it's led to streaming platforms today. It's insane how much this affects it. It's bonkers. I still mm-hmm. think far too much about music licensing.
0: And Lars Ulrich is still an asshole.
1: That is also true. Rules of Engagement, the military legal drama starring Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. Also of note, for Daniel Only, the wrestling comedy movie Ready to Rumble starring starring David Arquette and a slew of WCW wrestlers makes its debut. Without
3: without qualification, one of the worst movies ever
0: made. Like, it is... Total dog shit saw from
3: beginning once, to end.
0: I saw it once twenty years ago and never again. If yeah. you're
1: gonna watch a wrestling movie starring David Arquette, watch "You Cannot Kill" David Arquette. Much, much better film.
0: Much better movie. the The craziest
3: thing about "Ready to Rumble" is that the big, the supposedly the big, uh, star of that movie, like or like the big um, in in the "Ready to Rumble" world, mm-hmm. the big wrestling star is played by Oliver Platt. Which I think is the just the f- the funniest fucking thing. Like, which also too. Side note on Oliver Platt: Is he the most like fraudulent uh, like A list actor of all time? Of like, <laughs> when you think of Oliver Platt, you think of like serious like actor man, and then you realize he's been in fucking Drek, like Ready to Rumble in fucking 2012. Like,
0: no, I was gonna say I think of him from 2012. I don't really think of him in. But it's like, but
3: he, maybe it's the name. Maybe it's just Oliver Platt. You know, it sounds like a very, he, very he, thespian he, name, you know. He, yeah, like, that's,
0: you got yeah. a point there. Also, is this where David Arquette picked up the, the World Heavyweight Championship? Yes, so it was. It was yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. God, Jesus.
1: It was promoting this. It so was yeah. promoting
3: this movie. Although, I think, if I remember correctly, I think the movie had either already come out mm-hmm. or, or had been out for like. Two or three weeks before mm-hmm. they did it, so they didn't even do their cross promotion right. Because you'd want to do it like the week the movie's coming out, or maybe the week before. They waited until like either two or three weeks in, or after the movie was already done in theaters. Because this company will be out of business in less than a year. So there's your daily dose of wrestling. Lauren, there you
0: continue.
1: Go. Oh, you can't keep a good Santana down for as long as his song Maria Maria, featuring the product G and B, takes the number one spot on the music charts
3: the santana renaissance continues no i mean which one would you rather be stuck with for all time smooth or maria maria like maria maria yeah i don't know i go back and forth like
1: smooth has warmer memories for me but maria maria is more of an earworm to me it's probably a better yeah it's probably a better song I don't know.
3: What else was on that evening? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Mac and C-H-E-E-S-E. They make a very... It, apparently that's an acronym standing for something, and I'm sure that the Friends stands will tell me about it. Uh, at so 8.30... Like the system. Who, who the hell knows? At 8.30, Daddy-O with the episode Fence and Sensibility. At 9, uh, Frasier with a rerun, and at 9.30, Battery Park with the episode You Give Law a Bad Name. Uh, This week's episode had an even 26 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 12th out of 40. Last time we saw him was, of course, just a few episodes back in All in the Family. Can't remember what happened in that episode. Uh, Humpty Dumpty and Leave it to Weaver, and written by R. Scott Gemmel doing his third of 32. Previous ones of his from this season include Abbey Road and Truth and Consequences. And no carry this week. And no Laura Innes either. No
0: like crouching, <laughs> She's crouching, not just crouching in the trauma room, trying to frame a shot. Cru- crouching Laura,
1: crouching, crouching. Laura, hidden carry.
0: <laughs>
3: I was trying to get it out, but Lauren beat ah. me to
0: it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hate you both. Uh, anyway, this, this episode opens uh, with Romano coming down to the ER. He's apparently he's got to get in the trenches. Yeah, because apparently that's it's like an uh, apparently that's just a thing that bosses do sometimes and it's the most annoying shit ever when they try to do it. At least at least in my experience in the retail world it's the most annoying shit because they don't understand what the fuck is actually going on on a day-to-day basis.
3: I
1: love when they're observing and they actually see what you do all day. I was going to say
3: like... I, a good boss I think should know and I I this is a pet peeve of mine having been a, a boss before like I I'm of the opinion that if you're going to be in charge of an entire operation, you should know how every single aspect of that operation functions.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: you should not, however, jump in and try to like change processes and like do do it your way because you think you know better. Like, no, you should ingratiate yourself into the existing ecosystem yep. and and be a help. Like,
1: and then if you see room for improvement, you discuss it as a team.
3: Yeah, like that. This could be a
0: good management thing, but because of the way he does it, it's not. Shout out to my old manager who uh, tried to give us pointers on like timing of stuff when building bikes. When building bikes, but he never actually knew how to build one. Build one himself, so he didn't actually know. Neat. <laughs> yeah, asshole. Um, anyway, but uh, we learned Luca has worked four shifts in three days, and the ER is super behind on coding charts. Hmm, it's almost like there's some people missing. Still, mm. um, oh yeah, Carrie, uh, duh. Why did I? Okay. I completely just remembered now that Carrie is suspended, and yes. that's why she's not around <laughs> yes. this episode. Yes, yes. Oh Men- mentioned but not seen. Did I do I actually watch the show? Is that,
1: is that we still you still know more than I do?
3: Yeah, we were talking about this off, mic. This is st- this is I think a overall a better episode than last week's, but it's still firmly in the uh, squishy yeah. part of the season. Yeah,
0: yeah. But Romano has slotted uh, Luca into another shift at midnight, and he has... When is Carrie coming back and Romano, who says she is? We Oof. do, because we've seen the show.
1: I also got a good chuckle at uh, Romano's coming down, pretending to shoot the shit and be warm. He goes, is that Croatian for Lucky? And Luke is just done with everything. And he just goes, Luke. <laughs>
3: like, fuck off. One of my, one of my favorite um, running, it's, I don't know if it's a running bit or if it's just good continuity or just an extra added little detail, But uh, the way they make Luca look excessively or exceedingly haggard throughout this episode, like every time you see Luca in this episode, he looks more tired than the last time you saw him. Like there's a scene a little bit later where his eyes are like bloodshot red. uh, And then there's a scene late in the episode where I swear he's got more five o'clock shadow than he had at the beginning of the episode. Like dude, dude is just exhausted by the end of this episode.
1: Then we go on to Cleo has a motor vehicle accident trauma patient, and he's only had his license for two weeks. His name is Eli. I want to point out whose films are those, because he just got rolled in. They're definitely not his. Uh, he was driving his dad's 65 Mustang. Of course, no airbag. And there was the seatbelt at the time, as was the fashion, was only a lap bar, not the lap and shoulder strap. Mm, so
0: Just a motorized death machine. That's fine.
1: Yeah. yeah
3: no big deal. Uh, Our patient so okay this episode is like oh hey it's that guy a mania like there are so many oh hey it's that guys in this episode you all are going to be tired of hearing from me by the end.
1: Was it just made for you, Daniel?
3: This episode was so... Fu- this is a joy for me to go through because there are so many people that I was like, holy shit, it's that guy. So starting here with young Eli, who is played by actor Matt Doherty, who is best known as Averman from the Mighty Ducks series. Hell yeah. uh, he appeared in all... Th- he was one of the few kids who appeared in all three of the original movies. Uh, I believe there have been several, like either web series or like mini revivals over the years that he's participated in and he also guested on the new disney plus series uh that was out uh last year uh yeah, I so that was a thing yeah i have zero interest in it whatsoever especially since Emilio estevez pitched a fit about having to be vaccine uh vaccinated so yeah. fuck, fuck that guy everybody uh, get vaccinated but uh, that's definitely the role he's best known for. But another underrated role of his that I love is uh, in So I Married an Axe Murderer, the uh, Mike Myers pre Austin Powers uh, post Wayne's World little nestle in where uh, he played the memorable role of hid uh, the uh, basically the son of I think his or no, the brother. he's Mike Myers younger brother who his whole character trait is that he has a big head and that he's always blocking the TV. And it's my favorite.
2: Well, let's have a look at the replay. William, move your head. Look at the size of that boy's heed. Shh. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. You're going to give the boy a complex. Well, that's a huge noggin. <laughs> it's a virtual planetoid. Shh. Has its own weather system. Shh. Heed, move.
3: Uh, there's time. <laughs> it's
2: just
3: my favorite sound bit. Uh, but, uh, so we will k- check back in with Eli, uh, and his dad, another, oh, hey, it's that guy, uh, in just a bit. Uh, but for now we go over to docs where we see Carol with the twins and Luca shows up and complains about how, uh, rough his schedule has been at work. Uh, we find out that the girls have been accepted at the daycare in the hospital and Luca does his best to try to help feed Kate. It's very cute and very sweet. Uh, And a lady comes in uh, and just fawns all over them and uh, says, what a beautiful family they make. And uh, Carol and Luca exchange a very awkward glance uh, because of this. Uh, And so do I. I was also participating in the awkward glance because let's let's (laughs) not do this. Uh, But it does allow us to come in with some nice, soft, squishy twinkles in this soft, squishy part of the season. Uh, So we are now, I believe, uh, if I checked my calendar, 16 and 2 bangs to twinkles this season. uh, I will take it. Uh, We come out of the intro. We have our kind of main through line patient of the episode being brought in here. Uh, A mother is wheeled in with four very loud, very boisterous children, uh, including the unruly Wyatt child banging on the vending machine uh, as they're being brought in. She's being brought in for loss of consciousness in the grocery store. Uh, and our mom here is another oh hey it's that person Carrie Green who appeared in stuff like The Goonies, Lucas, and Summer Rental.
1: I don't know if we ever even get her first name in this episode. I don't. Like think I call we... her so many things in this episode, other than an actual name.
3: Yeah, I know. I know the family name. Like the the last name yeah. I know is Parker. Yeah. And I want to say they do get a name for her, and I think it starts with an L. But I could be yeah. completely wrong about that. But yeah, I I when I first had her brought in because I I'm always like listening really hard. Anytime a new patient comes in and with her, there was nothing. I didn't get anything. So I just wrote her down as dehydration yeah. mom. Yep. Like <laughs> that's basically what's what she was to me at this point.
0: Now we go over to the desk where Carter's complaining to Randy that he can't get his labs. And uh, David's nurse is also calling to Mark. Uh, and David's nurse is also calling Mark to complain. Apparently David's being kind of an asshole. Yeah. And uh, Luca can't find a form, and basically the whole everything's going wrong that Carrie would fix or mm-hmm. Carrie would maintain. The system is collapsing without Carrie. Yes. Uh, Corday is awkwardly watching the call about the misbehavior of David of one David Green behind Mark. Um, yeah, Lucas says they're basically just they're out of all the forms that they could possibly need, and. <laughs> Mark just says, oh, just go pull some more old charts from the lounge. It's fine. And oh uh oh. Bad times. Lucy's match form got sent to the ER. Mr. Yeah.
3: I do love <laughs> I love that one of the most consistent character traits for Mark over his the course of his time on the show is his complete disinterest in leadership. Like, he does, he does not want to be in charge he'll, of anything.
1: He'll <laughs> like, do mentorship when it suits him, Right, but you're right. Leadership, no.
3: Like, philosophical mentorship, he's all about it. Like, he will coach the hell out of a new med student, but when it comes to, like, the logistical, like, nuts and bolts of running the department, he wants no part of it, and I love that that never changes.
1: Yep. Uh, so then we go over to the mom and her kiddos, and the kids are a boisterous mess. And she also has a fifth kid at home with the neighbor. They, so she has like five kids under eight. No. No.
0: Um, no. no. I'm gonna say it in Spanish too.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no. Could
1: we be recording this at a worst possible time?
3: Oh, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but you did. No, I'm. So. <laughs>
1: I. Our listeners know. I warned. I warned people. That I was going to try to stay out of it. But holy shit, this episode. A little on the nose. A little little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But yeah, the Peds Ward is going to take the kids for a bit just to like give her some time to actually get her tests done and relax and figure out what's going on. And Wyatt is like, I don't want to go. And they're like, well, we have a Nintendo. And he's like, do you have Super Smash Brothers? And then he's totally on board.
3: Oh, that was my favorite cool. draw. I did not remember that Super Smash Bros. got a name call out on this. uh yep. On this show, that that made me. The first me happy. one isn't even that good.
1: Who do we all main on Smash Bros?
3: Uh, let's see. So if we're talking strictly any, about any any of them, because I I have a weird soft spot for the original one. I played a ton. Of, I probably played have played more. I don't know melee. I, I played
1: I, I played mostly um the GameCube one.
3: Yeah, melee. I I feel like at this time my main would have been either. Pikachu or um, Samus?
1: Kirby. Ness. You mm. would.
0: Well, why? <laughs> hey, why? Because he's spammy, annoying character. It was either Ness or from, I think, Melee on uh, Toon Link. Yeah, um, Toon
1: Link's also fun. I would also do uh Zelda. I was gonna say was yeah,
0: the, the Sheik, uh, yeah the the chic, yeah the chic move
3: that was my go to.
0: I could never I could never get the hang
3: of oh I would Zelda always play as
1: Zelda I would never I would never switch to chic. Oh I would always but, go to chic, but, but all right. anyway
0: enough uh, <laughs> we got
3: to bring Mary back in It's enough Super Smash Brothers talk, um, so yeah we go from there uh, to Lizzie checking on uh, Eli uh, Cleo's patient uh, doing a surgical consult and uh, Dad comes in in the middle and uh, is despite Eli's protests during the initial uh, workup where he was like, my dad's going to kill me, whatever dad is actually relatively cool about all of this. Like dad is a good dad moment here. Uh, where he is far more concerned about his son and his well-being than about his stupid car. Uh, And Dad here is a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy, uh, played by actor Joel McKinnon Miller, who appears in stuff like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Big Mm -hmm. Love, The Truman Show, many other things, 103 credits to his name. And this is really uh, uh, all we do with him in this uh, episode. Like, he really just kind of shows up here, has this one little scene, and then that's the last we see of him. Uh, Damn. Would have... Definitely would have liked to have seen him do a little bit more.
0: Let him be uh, funny, because he's right? hilarious.
3: I know. I'll take uh good heartwarming dad content too. Like but Yeah,
1: I was so glad this wasn't one of the cliche, oh you fucking wrecked my car, you This is
3: almost uh without the punchline, this is almost uh frame for frame uh redo of a storyline from the pilot. Right? uh except it was a girl in the pilot who crashed the yeah. car and then the dad comes in and he's like oh, i don't care about the car i'm just having and then she tells him which car it was and he's like mother like not yeah. that car or whatever not the cat a cadillac or whatever yeah it's like this is almost uh shot for shot a remake of that um but uh cleo says that they're going to need to do exploratory surgery uh to the dad uh but uh lizzie does not agree so she pulls uh Pulls Cleo out into the hallway to uh, discuss this and gives her official surgical opinion, because that comes into play a little bit later. It gives her official surgical opinion that this kid does not need surgery. Keep that in mind for later.
1: And Cleo definitely pushes back. Oh, yeah. Also keep that in mind.
0: And then we go over back over to Supermom. Uh, she is eight weeks pregnant. <sighs> Baby number six. Um, they let, have to let radiology know that she may not be able to do the the CAT scan that she needs. Uh, and Carol asks Mark to sign up on a purchase order for <laughs> supplies. And apparently, like it's a game that she plays with Carrie. Like she asks for th- uh, she always asks for more than she needs so that she, that way she can get actually what she needs. So she'll ask for three, but she only needs two. But then if she asks for three, she'll get two, and it'll yeah. make it seem like Carrie's winning. I can imagine this hitting Lauren on a very, very personal level.
3: <laughs> I could just see this having very personal implications for Lauren.
1: I don't know what you're talking about in corporate America <laughs> at all. I can
3: certainly I say I have definitely experienced this. Like I have. Well, definitely... I'll
1: say this: I am in a good place with work right now because we are getting deep dish pizza and breakfast treats tomorrow. So I am, I am currently wooed by my office for a little bit. So. Uh, then we go over to Luca, talking about the girls, and he calls them the Hathaway Twins, which Carol corrects, and then their last name is Ross. Awkward. Yeah, is
0: this the first time we've ever heard that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: There's also another thing that comes up later on that's the first time we've heard at all, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. Um, I love that Daniel immediately knows what I'm talking about with that <laughs> line, but... Uh, Then we go over to Luca, checking on his patient named Mr. Simpson. He's complaining of chest tightness, lasting intermittently for a few seconds. Uh, Mr. Simpson thinks he's having anxiety attacks and thinks it's his wife because he's going through a really bad divorce.
3: And Mr. Simpson here is played by arguably the Oh Hey It's That Guy of the episode, uh, actor Dan Loria, who uh, appeared in stuff like The Spirit, uh, the movie Stakeout, And of course, as the dad on the TV series Mm -hmm. The Wonder Years. Yep.
1: Okay. That's That's what it was. That's exactly
3: where I recognize him from. 207 credits to his name. Uh, Good for him. Our high watermark actor for the episode. Due to The Wonder Years' sort of like tenuous relationship with streaming, is that the show that had the biggest like cultural impact that. Uh, of its time that is like complete almost completely forgotten about now like I
1: don't I don't know if I'd say forgotten about but it's definitely um looked back on like, it's looked back on fondly, but people upon rewatch don't enjoy it because of the music rights issue. Again, music licensing, it's a problem.
3: Yeah. But just, like, it's one of those shows that, like like you said, Lauren, like, when it gets brought up, people are always like, oh, yeah, that was a great show. Like, I, I loved that show, or I watched a lot of that show as a kid. But it's not a show that I ever hear anyone talk about or bring up. Because they don't want well, no re- to watch it. Well, there's no way to watch it. No, there not was. On a, well, I know there was, but there's not, yeah, the DVD not a consistent way and the dvds were only available briefly before they were taken and, out
1: and i'm saying even when it was on streaming people would watch it and go well this fucking sucks because they the took music, out all the
0: music right
1: yeah, yeah. they had to i use... tried to
0: a couple i tried to a couple times and
3: i, I was remember
1: like,
0: yeah
3: yeah I, w- I
1: am curious about watching the new one though
3: oh yeah the the like reboot or whatever yeah or... i
1: yeah, the the
3: the re the reimagining, the reimagining. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like it's just it, it's beca- I know it is because of the music rights thing and the fact that it's yeah. not not been widely available on streaming in its like purest form. But it is just like this show that like to me I always think of it because of how omnipresent it was when I was a kid. I think of it as this like tentpole series of like it's the Wonder Years. Of course you would think of it, but like again, no one fucking talks about it now. Like it is just to me, feels completely lost to time.
1: It's it's how I feel about Game of Thrones right now, that I'm doing a rewatch. I'm like, I can't even talk about this with anybody else because everybody's be like, why the fuck are you watching Game of Thrones again?
3: <laughs> but in any event, uh, we go... Uh, Abby is doing an ultrasound on Supermom, and this is where we start to get some insight on her current situation.
1: Can I, can I just sigh in the background through your whole reading here, Daniel? <laughs> just...
3: Boy, I mean, it's rare that an episode is so, like,
1: mm.
3: smack on the nose as it is. Granted, you all are listening to this three weeks after we're recording it. So maybe, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> things have changed, maybe. Uh, doubtful. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. this It's just rare that we get one that is hit, smacking us this hard in the nose as this one is. Uh, but sh- we find out that she has no help at home because Dad works a lot. Uh, she's uh, malnourished, obviously. Uh, and seems conflicted about this revelation about the pregnancy and uh, hasn't told her husband yet. So the the pregnancy does not come as a surprise to her. She knew yeah. about it. Um, she doesn't make clear how long she's known about it, but basically says something to the effect of like, I've known for a while. Yeah. And this actress does a really good job of like mm-hmm. that, that dehydrated, malnourished, but also just done, like just completely zonked. Yeah, just has nothing left to give. Um, and Abby cluing in on what she's, what's being presented in front of her here. Abby clues in and asks if, uh, maybe she was starving herself to induce a miscarriage. And at first she kind of like hems and haws a little bit, but eventually she, uh, kind of breaks through that exterior and gets to the the heart of the matter here. Uh, and, uh, she... Rightfully so, given that she's got, what, five kids under eight? And this would be number six? Uh, She rightfully so just wanted a break in between kids.
1: Yeah, because she says that her and her husband wanted a large family. Right. But dear God, she thought she was going to get a break.
3: Exactly. It's a uterus, not a clown car. Oh, Jesus. But but Abby tells her that her body will protect the fetus first. uh, So it's really just causing her... Uh, pain and and suffering and damaging her health and not so much. The, this is not the way to go about it. Uh, and Abby asks if she's considered an abortion. Uh, so a through a line patient here. We will of course be circling back to this many more times before the episode is done.
0: Mm-hmm. But for now, we go back over to Carol and Mark uh, splinting a woman's wrist. She's complaining that about. Then Carol's complaining about needing a stiff drink because she's tired of breastfeeding. Is that? Is that a thing that you can't drink alcohol? You're not
1: supposed to because the alcohol can okay. go through your breast milk. Coffee. I wasn't
0: sure if alcohol was part of that. so
1: it's, it's generally like you can probably have a glass of wine and it won't totally screw up your kid. And it, but it you're passes really, through your, yeah. like you
0: can, they do like
3: a uh, pump and dump. Like it yeah. passes through the system much faster than other things. Yeah,
1: yeah. but you're still, it's generally not advised for no. you to drink if you're breastfeeding, if you can help it.
0: But she basically, she like I said, she's tired of breastfeeding, so she's considered weaning them now that they are they're six months old at mm-hmm. this point. She's did I actually watch this episode? All of this stuff is surprising. <laughs> I swear.
3: Particu-
1: to be fair, we've had a traumatic couple days,
3: particularly with Carol. Uh, I do sort of feel like somebody in the writers' room looked up and saw the episode number and was like, oh, shit, we got to wrap this up. Like, because it does sort of feel like they've kind of, like... the Because Carol's been in the corner for most of the season. Like, Carol had... She had her moment early on when she had the twins. But for the most part, Carol's been in the corner the whole season. And it feels like now somebody has realized that her contract is up at the end of the season. And they're like, oh, fuck, we got to wrap this up. Like, let's go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking to that, she says, oh, they... Mark, Doug has apparently been seeing them and he asked me to move to Seattle again and I think he's serious this time because they deserve, they deserve a father, Mark. Like, what the... F- <sighs> what an anvil of a well, fucking line that is. Yeah, like, we wouldn't... Oh, my God. Why wouldn't... Yeah, just...
3: Doug's been in town. Show, NBD.
0: Show, not tell.
3: Yeah. I, I I usually give them a lot of credit and they did do a very good job of this, particularly, like, late season five of, like reminding you that that he is still an active part of this story like he didn't die he just went away but not like doing too not not over re, overly reminding you of this this other entity that is out there and this is I feel like a little bit of a backslide in that regard where they just like rip the band-aid off completely and we're just like nope we're gonna start referring to him as if he's a real character again and but you're not but you're not gonna see him like he's not he's not here like we can't show you him so it just—it's not satisfying to me. It just reinforces my point that she should have just left with him because her character, yeah, doesn't do it for me anymore. Like she just—the just magic is gone pay, in season six.
0: Just pay Clooney for like a couple of days or three or however long to shoot one scene would be. Oh, I think. I mean, from what That's I all we need this here. is That's th- all we need. This is
3: obviously jumping ahead a few episodes, but like apparently it was really it was asking a lot to even get him for what they did get him for. Like with his schedule being the way it was, like it was, Mm. it was like a stars align kind of situation that he just happened to have like an afternoon free that they could make this happen. And, uh, and even still, it was like kind of a, you know, fraught process to get that all together. But we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to that episode. But the, the reality, that's why I've always thought it was strange that you would even go down this road because you can't get him. Like, don't, like like Lizzie said, you have to show, not tell after a certain point and like you they have to know that that is not a possibility. They're not gonna get him back for anything. And, and the
1: fact that she says like, Oh, the like we went from her not really talking to Doug at all to oh he's been here and seen them and right. you know he's asked me several times yeah. to move like where was this saying oh Doug called and asked me to move to Seattle like why not even throw right. that and, in And once that's or what
3: twice? I was saying earlier like this feels like we're playing catch up with Carol here yeah. of like we've we've spent so much of the season just sidelining her and not making you making it very clear that she's not an important character in the show anymore and now all of a sudden it's like well we got to play catch up on the last 6 months and we got to talk about all this shit that's been going on off screen that we haven't been showing you and it just feels a little bit rushed Yep
1: uh I'm just mm, guys, I'm trying really hard to stay off my soapbox. It's just so on the nose and I just mmm I'll uh, try to try to control my, my liberal indi- righteous indignation here. Um <laughs> Abby gives Mark a rundown of Supermom's situation and the husband is very controlling, which is why she didn't want him to know. And Abby says, oh, she just needed to push because Mark asks if Supermom made the decision on her own to go get the procedure done. And Mark says, well, better call up to GYN and check because they might not even do that upstairs. So Abby, you know, says like, okay, shit, I'll call and make sure that they can give her an abortion before we, you know, push her down that road. Which, women's body, women's choice, legislation, stay out of it.
3: Yeah, I even felt like Mark was a little bit out of his depth here. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he kind of overstepped his boundary a little bit of like, just going straight to assuming that, Oh, she isn't, couldn't possibly be in the right emotional state to make a decision like this. It's like, yeah. you don't know that. <laughs> like you haven't talked to this woman.
1: And, and a woman doesn't need a sob story to have an abortion. She can just have one. Cause she wants one.
3: Yeah. Like I just even felt like it was again, overall the show uh, on the show's part, it does a very good job of presenting kind of the right perspective on it. Yep. For the most part. But even Mark, I felt like kind of overstepped his bounds just a tiny bit.
1: Yep. Wonder how many listeners will lose with how freaking pro-choice I'm being <laughs> today. Uh,
0: to be fair, all of us are pro-choice. So. Huh.
1: Yeah. D- Daniel, for a second, I thought you were going to say, well, like, no, you're not. And I was like, uh, no, no, no. no. That was an entire <laughs> friendship. No, no, no.
3: That was a very distinct. Uh-huh. In, in gotcha, agreement.
1: Okay. Oh, I misheard and I panicked. Uh, So we go over to total 180 and just as upsetting. Benton flirting with Cleo in the drug lockup. There is a huge poster of a syringe behind them. Real, real attractive. Yosh pops in and they've kind of paused what they're doing. And they like pretend like they, they go, oh, we were just discussing a patient. And Yosh goes, I could use a good discussion myself. Like, I feel like if they had given this to anyone else, it would have been Lydia
3: yeah but yosh is but, such a but perfect choice
1: he's like oh don't mind me i absolutely love it it's so good um but then benton does go to consult on eli as a second opinion and benton realizes that lizzie already consulted on this kid because cleo lets it slip and he agrees with lizzie's assessment but is going to do an x-lap for cleo anyway that's fine
3: yeah no no problems could possibly result from this
0: yeah at all totally standard procedure Anyway, uh, oh god. This guy my personal least favorite patient this of the episode. Guy, are you
3: kidding me? He's my favorite. He's my favorite fucking patient in the whole episode.
0: I will explain why he's my least favorite in a second. But Carter's going to work on a gentleman who fell four feet at work. Um he's, he's really milking it milking up he's really milking it and hamming his pain up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Is trying to gain the systems for workman's comp. Uh, his name is Mr. Fazio, and after after an assessment, Carter says uh, pain is mu made up. And first, say who this oh this <laughs> definitely it's this guy. Yeah, uh,
3: Mr. Fazio, uh, played by actor Michael Cavalleri, who appeared in stuff like Last Man Standing, The Next Karate Kid, the one with Hilary Swank, uh, and the TV series NYPD Blue. And just every other like
0: bit comedy movie that you've probably seen in your mm-hmm. entire life.
3: I'm pretty sure he also had a bit part in an episode of The Sopranos as well, because as you might imagine, the most Italian man who ever Italianed. Uh, hey, I'm falling
0: over here. I'm pretty sure he was in the Super Mario Brothers movie, but I'm gonna look that up here in just a second after <laughs> I'm done talking. Speaking my piece uh, to confirm that. Yeah, he's one of the guys who gets turned into a Koopa, isn't he?
1: I've seen that. Oh no, no 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 no!
3: I know who you're thinking of, and no, but he has also been in an episode of ER. He was in a season four episode with uh, Delamico, uh, like uh, I, th- I remember that the, he was like a uh gigolo or some shit. Like there was some something like that. Like, but I know exactly who you're thinking of, and he looks kind of okay. like this guy, but is not the
0: same guy. All right. Uh, but no, why I hate this this particular well, just this particular beginning of it at least. As someone with chronic pain issues, going to the ER for pain is generally already a fraught process because it's hard to really... It's not something you can see. Mm. Can't see that I'm in excruciating pain. Like I have to tell you, and especially someone like me who has like been dealing with chronic pain for a couple of years now at this point, so I've learned to put on a nice face about it even though even if I'm in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. so like when I'm showing it you know I'm hurting yeah Lauren's making Lauren's (laughs) making a face at me
1: it's bad
0: yeah so people like this who go in faking pain and invisible injuries make it harder for people like me because we get treated less seriously because they have to wonder if we're making it all up just to try to get Workman's comp or drugs, in most cases, is what the deal is. See... Like, yeah. I just I hate it. I, I, I know it's, it's no fault of the writers of this show, but I'm just saying, in general, I hate this stuff. See,
3: you had to come in with your legitimate bone to pick and your legitimate gripe, and I'm over here trying to enjoy a talking bottle of marinara sauce. Like... <laughs> because this man is so over the top in his italianness that i am just like i was doing the italian hand the whole time like it's just so very italian and i just mm, chef kiss love him i don't love i don't love the character but i do love him he's precious to me uh but we will see a little bit more of him a little bit later.
1: Daniel is still doing. The I'm handled. still doing the hand th-
3: because it's so it's mm, he's he has the thi- he has it down perfectly. Maybe that's just the way that he talks. Maybe it's not an affectation. But if it is an affectation, it's a particularly good one. Uh, but we go from there to Luca checking in with Mr. Simpson. Uh, nothing weird on his lab results. Uh, keep that in mind for later. Uh, Luca wants him to stay for another few hours for just for observation, uh, and uh, just after he says this, uh, Mr. Simpson completely breaks down about his wife and the divorce and how uh, horrible it's been. And uh, I believe he says some stuff about how like his son is upset with him now too mm-hmm. because of the like. It's just a very, and it's a really good performance too. Like this, yes. not only is this guy a really recognizable actor, but he's also a really good actor too. Like. And it's so completely kind of one eighty from his character on the Wonder Years, like his character on the Wonder Years is so like stoic and like gruff, whereas this mm-hmm. guy is so much like he's just like this raw nerve of emotion. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just it's it's cool to see this actor get to show his range. Um, he does a
1: great job with it. Yeah, he
3: really does. Like he he it's not a patient or, or a uh, um it's not a an episode or a role that I think of or remember very clearly. Um, but looking at it again, I was like, man, he's kind of a standout part of this episode. Um, but Luca offers to get psyched down to uh, chat with him. I believe he says he can get a clinical psychologist down to mm-hmm. talk to him. And he's like, is that worse than a regular one? Which is <laughs> a really good line.
1: And I'd like to note here that at this point in the episode, I can no longer pay attention because Luca is too damn handsome.
3: This is where I was talking about, too. Like, they, they've, they're they making him progressively more haggard mm-hmm. as the episode goes on. Like, he's starting to get the scruff around the, mm-hmm. the... Like, I imagine they probably just told him, like, don't shave for a day or so. Like, just to get mm-hmm. a little bit of extra scruff in there. And I swear they, like, sprinkled something in his eyes because his eyes get really bloodshot and red around the uh, edges. Like they just how I like They him. do a really good job of making him look tired.
1: I don't care. He's so he's so handsome, and I, I love scruffy boys. So I was I mm, love it. Uh, but then Abby, just anything to not talk about Abby and Supermom. Uh, Abby goes back to Supermom. Uh, kids are doing great, hanging out in Peds. They're having a snack. Um, Abby does ask if the abortion is what she wants after you know Abby had talked to Mark, and Mom says it's not what I want. It's what I need better take me up there before I change my mind. And she says, you know, I think it's wrong. I like, this is not something that I agree with, but I need to do it for my family. And good of her to recognize that, like that is, that takes a ton of self-awareness and strength to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I just want to note her husband sounds like a dick based off how she talks about him. And uh, Lizzie said in, in our notes that she is very glad that Abby took Mark's advice to heart here. Yeah, sorry. I it's just a, read a ni- that it's for
0: just, you. It's just a nice. I oh, was sorry. I was looking at the IMDb for <laughs> for that guy. Um, they got sucked so into a black hole anyway. But yeah, no. It's just it's nice to see med students actually like listening mm-hmm. and, and not, and especially when the advice is good. Right. Yeah. Like it's not just Carter yelling at Lucy yeah, yeah, yeah. random nonsense. And Lucy and me, like, meh, 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 meh. It's. <laughs> That's her legacy on the show. Meh, meh, meh. Meh, Anyway. Either way, uh, David's nurse is calling again, and apparently he's making racial, <laughs> racial slurs. Which is,
3: which is <laughs> the hardest I've ever laughed at the phrase racial slurs.
1: Because what is Mark's response? She's Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a
3: good line.
1: Like,. How do you? How can you be
3: racist against Swedish people?
1: I'm sure people find a way. Oh, no, I'm way, sure but... people find
3: a way, but it's just, like, it's the absurdity of it, especially when you're – I love that thing in, in uh, shows where you only get one half of the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. you only can hear one person's end of a phone conversation. It's just yep. – because your mind fills in the blanks, and it's just uh, – it's so perfect.
0: it's what's the what's the thing that Michael Caine says in gold number? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
3: Oh shit, I can't remember what it is, but
0: It's like I hate I people who make generalizations about other people. And the is, Dutch. Uh, and the Dutch. <laughs> one
3: yeah, of like the only one of the only genuinely funny lines in that dumpster fire of a movie.
1: Okay, anything Michael Caine does in that movie is fucking great. I don't remember the rest of it, but, but I But that line Michael in Caine particular, like great, if I yes. think about
3: that movie, that's the line I think about.
1: If there's one thing I hate. It's people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and ideals. <laughs> and the Dutch. And the Dutch. <laughs>
3: Uh, uh, Michael, K- sp- I love- spoilers for our uh, our Q and A episode that you have already listened to three weeks ago. By the time you're listening to this episode, <laughs> uh, somebody's gonna ask us for uh, people who were never on ER but we wish were. Michael Caine would be near the top of that list. Like he would have, he would have done an
0: amazing job. Yes. Just have Michael Caine be. Corday's dad. And no, it's all good.
3: no. Paul Freeman is much. He's much too perfect okay, as your okay, dad. Okay, but okay, but he could okay. have been like a fun uncle. Like he could have for like one <laughs> episode.
0: Like
1: or we'll go into it. Uh, I have plenty of ideas of where we can sprinkle Michael Kane in in relation to Lizzie's life.
0: Anyway, uh, Mark's gonna head out, and he's leaving Carter and Luca to run the sh- run the show. And Carter's workman's comp guy, Mister Fazio, is showing apparently. That he has leukemia, rot row, like bad leukemia.
1: Yeah, I love how how this hematology goes. Like, uh, I'm, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I've no, I don't know oh, anything no, that's about not that like, is, my bad. I don't know what anything about like, the testing diagnostic things for leukemia. But I'm assuming 95% blasts. Pretty bad. Seems bad. It seems pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Not a good. Not a good lookout.
3: Yeah, and so yeah, I I can't remember if it's here or if it's a little bit later. We'll talk about it here just because I'm not confident it's, that it's not
1: I, uh, the hematology guy. I can't remember if he was hematology it's, or it's,
3: oncology, but
1: it's later because hematology. it's later because I just remembered what happens here is somebody hands the test to Carter and they're like, "Your dude has real fucked up stuff." Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And, You're right. he, and he's like. Um, and they're like, you better call hematology down here.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, that's, so we'll we'll talk the about only that. Reason I we'll know. talk about that when we get there. Um, but uh, in any event, uh, we see Maluchi who really doing his kind of only thing for this episode. He doesn't really get to do very much this week, uh, playing hall monitor and sassing Halei. And uh, Mark essentially tells him to shut up, which is
1: with my favorite line of, when you've raised two kids from birth. You can tell people what to do. Until then, shut right, up. Right? Because he's
3: like, he's like, didn't she? He's looking for Carol, and he's they're like, oh, she's on break. He was like, well, she was on break. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, just shut the fuck up. Uh, this is this is maybe the first time all season that I have a genuine like gripe with Malachi. Um But we go from there. Lizzie is looking for uh, Eli, who has uh, Carter informs her has been taken upstairs to the OR by Benton, and she is uh we will
0: oh spaghettios
3: get into that a little bit later uh carter uh is then going in to talk to mr fazio uh and uh tells him about his uh, leukemia diagnosis and uh he cannot believe him uh yeah yeah check back on this a little bit later uh and then uh our other kind of token appearance this episode chen who really doesn't get much to do this episode uh calls carter in for help on a trauma a 10 year old from a field trip suffering from some sort of an allergic reaction uh and has had no response to benadryl uh chen is uh unable to intubate and starts to do the fiber optic intubation um but still struggles even with that and he basically like shoves her out of the way and just does it Mm -hmm. himself and uh it's kind of a real weird flex from Carter here in this this moment. Like
0: I have a question for the class. Mm-hmm. So, do we think that cuz he's real grumpy this episode? Mm-hmm. Do we think he's now starting to abuse the pain meds?
1: No. I think I think that here it's still he's probably taking them as prescribed going through his day-to-days still incredibly in pain. And is just exhausted from that. I don't think he would have started yeah. yet. And
3: I also think too, they don't. I think they try to do it, but I don't think they do a very good job of, of like connecting the dots. Um, I think he is more bothered by Lucy's match letter yeah. than ah, okay. than anything. Like and th- like I said, they don't they don't really do a very good job of connecting point A to point B. But like. I think that's what we're meant to take away from it is yeah. like, yeah, you're right. But, it, that, that I think about but it. that's kind of, I think a little bit of a, a soft spot in the writing where they don't really make that connection very clear. Cause he never, I mean, yeah, he does bring it up at the end, but it's just, it's muddled.
1: And, and at the end we find out he also hasn't been sleeping real well. So. Yeah. De- I
3: think they are definitely building towards yeah. where you're going, but I don't think we're there quite yet. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a, a really shitty moment for Carter.
0: Alright, let's go to our first audio clip of the episode. Full twenty-five minutes in. Uh, Mark gets home to talk to David about his behavior.
2: Thank you for being so understanding. I'm sure he'll be better tomorrow. He couldn't be any worse. Is she gone? Yeah. Okay, she's gone. You'd be lucky if she comes back. Speak for yourself. Dad, we need her. Someone has to be here if I can't. It wouldn't be necessary if I went to that hospice. Well, then you could just be surrounded by strangers. They don't get much stranger than Nurse Van Bullo. Look at look at this room. It's like a, a damn hospital. How much is all this costing? Don't worry about it. Oh, what the hell is that? It's a portable toilet. You got me a, a Johnny on the spot? It's just for convenience. Uh, I am not taking a, a dump in your living room, Mark. God, I am not an invalid. I can still make it to the damn bathroom right, by, down, sit by myself. On, sit down. Sit down here. This sit down is exactly relax. exactly what I, okay, I didn't you don't want. have to use it, Dad. Relax. Take deep breaths. I won't, you it. Get your roll, Okay. I'll take it back. All right. Here we go. Just take a few puffs. Nice and easy.
1: Calm down. Mm, Mark, if you just fucking listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, and the my takeaway from that is the is the way David says is shit I know that is, that is a very lives rent free in my head to this day. Very excellent line, Reed. Also
1: the phrase Johnny on the spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, kinda but yeah, fuck you, Mark. Just Way to way to invalidate every single every, everything that your dad wanted.
3: And for it his end only of life
1: care. and it only gets worse. Yeah,
3: I know we never really miss an opportunity to gush about uh, John Collum, but like, just think about all the different uh, types of the same character he's gotten to play on his time on the show. Like, we've seen him as like the gruff, emotionally detached dad. We've seen him as like the you know. Uh, master showman, you know, getting to flex his fucking karaoke muscles. Like, we've gotten to see him uh, be funny. We've gotten to see him uh, do all these different things. And now we're getting to see him play this, like, this guy who is, like, not only desperately clinging to life, but also desperately clinging to, like, any shred of agency and humanity. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like... Any shred of dignity that he could possibly find. It's just all of these different flavors of it feels like he's playing separate characters each time and yet it's all the same guy and it's just so impressive and like i just i can't say enough good things about him he's so fucking good
1: yes and my brain still lives rent free with it's toasted it's toasted it's Oh, but then we go over to Super Mom's husband, Mr. Parker, is here, and ab- 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 Abby-, ab- Abby-, <laughs> Abby tells him how she's doing, says that uh, mom is upstairs for some additional tests, and takes him to go hang out with the kids.
3: Oh, we finally get to meet Mr. Shitbag, uh, Mr. Parker here, who is uh, played by another kind of oh, hey, it's that guy, uh, actor Bradley Gregg, uh, better known as a child actor than as an adult actor, uh, but he was in stuff like Stand By Me, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Apparently, he likes appearing in the third installments of series.
1: Uh, Listeners, please tell Lizzie that she needs to finally watch Stand By Me with her, because with me because I have tried to get her to watch it about eight times. It's, it's in our movie it's queue. It's really fucking good. It's on she, my Plex server. She just continuously goes, and eh, let's watch something else." And one day I will get her to finally watch it's it. One of my, just to say, it's off her it's list.
3: One of my like, it's not like a favorite movie or anything, but it is one of those movies that I never regret watching. Like, yeah. it's always a good time, and like I always feel like kind of we. And it's like it's so weird too because like, it's a it's a total like boomer nostalgia kind of thing Mm -hmm. and yet it feels weirdly timeless like it feels off
1: off of a stephen king novella i believe yeah
3: like it it should only matter to people of a certain age and yet it doesn't yet it 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 weirdly works works on across generations and it's just it's good
1: daniel is this is this like field of dreams for us is this just one of these that we're gonna love and lizzie's just gonna go "Eh, maybe
3: (laughs) maybe so i don't know but uh lauren so since you are have watched the the movie uh at all. Uh you might mm-hmm. remember this guy, uh he is one of Kiefer Sutherland's little yep. uh, shitbag friends, the little yep. dirtbag friends. Mm-hmm. Uh he's one of them.
1: Yep. Once you once you said stand by me, I was like, yeah, he is a weasel.
3: Mm-hmm. I can't remember his his he actually gets a character name and it's something like, you know, like Switchblade or some shit. Like he has some sh- stupid like greaser nickname and I can't remember yeah. what it is. What the is. fuck is that movie even about? It's, uh, it's about four kids... Four kids, right? Four, Take four, four, yeah. four, four kids aged, like, you know, 12 or 13, uh, taking a trip, like a walking trip uh, to go see a dead body because they live in like a small town somewhere. And like a kid got hit by a train and this is like the coolest thing that any of them could ever possibly imagine. And it's, but it's really not like, it's not really about that. It's more about these four kids and like the, their interpersonal stuff. And also like that very unique, I think the thing that like makes it more timeless is that it speaks to this very unique experience of, the friends you had when you were 12 years old and how that is like a time capsule unto itself that like, you probably didn't stick with most of those people beyond that. And it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's hard to quantify. It really is. But it's one of those things that you just have to like experience and kind of let it, let it wash over you and, and take out all the stuff of like the music and everything, because it is very dated. It is very, it's set in, I think the 60s, fifties or sixties, fifties, fifties or sixties. Um, But it has, like, just all these amazing performances. The the kids are – and the kids all grew up to be, like, famous actors. Like, it's Will Wheaton and um, Corey Feldman and Jerry O'Connell and River Phoenix. And River Phoenix is all of, like, 14 years old in that movie, and you can tell that, like, he's destined to be fucking James Dean if he doesn't die of a drug overdose when he's like Mm. 20 like dude would have been one of the biggest movie stars in the entire i mean he already was kind of one of the biggest movie stars in the entire world but he would have been like he
1: would have been a Clooney. he would have been
3: a Clooney, a leonardo dicaprio like he would have been one of the biggest movie stars on the planet for a solid two decades and he was totally stolen away from us it sucks
1: Yes, please watch Stand By Me. Listeners, tell Lizzie to watch Stand By Me. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth goes to confront Peter about Eli, and Peter is scrubbing in upstairs, and uh, Lizzie goes, did your friend happen to tell you (laughs) that I had already consulted on this? And just, oof. But his white count has risen to 18,000, and... Lizzie was like, Well, when I reevaluated him because he was being monitored, I would have taken that into consideration. And he says that Cleo wasn't sure that Lizzie would reconsider. And Lizzie takes over on the surgery, completely pulling rank, which Benton is not happy about. Mm. And she's like, I don't fucking care get out yeah
3: they we didn't really touch on it earlier uh, or, or i didn't i forgot to touch on it earlier but like i really 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 love the way that uh the the dynamic we get between cleo and lizzie
1: oh and it gets better later yeah too. like i
3: just really love that fucking mm, it's just mm, so good uh, but we go from there. Uh, we find out that uh, rut-row, uh Fazio's blood work, got mixed up with Mr. Simpsons, and it's Mr. Simpson who is the one with the leukemia. Uh, they, a guy from hematology is filling Carter in on this, uh, so they need to go get Luca right away to correct this. Uh, and we get a uh, sp- recurring, semi-recurring character out of this. Uh, the hematology guy, Dan Shine is the character's name. Uh, And he's played by actor Randy Lowell, who appeared in stuff like National Lampoon's Vacation, Contagion, and Real Genius. Uh, And he's making his first of three appearances through 2003. I don't remember him, but here he is. I don't either.
1: He's no radiologist, Steve. Oh,
3: Steve. (sighs) Hematologist. Hematology, Dan. Uh, uh, So, yeah, we'll be seeing apparently two more appearances of him uh, through season nine or so. So, uh, But... uh, We then go over, Mr. Parker is starting to get suspicious about things, uh, particularly because he sees the big giant board in the middle of the room with all the patients' names and locations and chief complaints written on them. Uh, And uh, asks when his wife will be back down and wants to know why she's up in OBGYN. Well, Carter tells tells him specifically. Points 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 at the board. Which, like... I don't necessarily think is Carter's fault or anything like I don't I don't really no. blame Carter for it it's just kind of a you know bad yeah. situation he has a
0: right to know where his wife is he has a right to know where his wife in, in theory, in theory.
3: Yeah. and in a,
0: bl- on a, in a blank void yes. of yeah. everything
3: and so then he gets upset and he starts you know trying to ha- harass Abby and like asking her a bunch of questions and at this point I sort of wondered like She's under no prof- – she she definitely, like, there's a question of whether or not she has to divulge anything to him. But she's certainly not under any obligation to provide him with accurate medical information. I would have just told him that she had a miscarriage. Like, I would have – like, at that point, like, it ain't going to fucking, you know, hurt his feelings. I mean, it, it'll probably suck, but, like, for him, like – but, uh, like, why is she got to hang her out to dry and be like, yeah, she's ha- she's upstairs having an abortion? better go you know check it out like I would have just told her like yeah you know she was dehydrated and uh, she collapsed and thing we think she might have suffered a miscarriage oh darn that's terrible I'm not gonna go potentially abuse my wife now which is where I thought this was going like I thought he was gonna go upstairs and like beat the shit out of this woman like I just felt like Abby could have done a little bit more to like mitigate the situation here because like I said she's under no professional obligation to provide him with accurate medical information about his wife's condition she could have lied she could have been like oh yeah you know she was pregnant, but shit happens, dude. Like this, these things happen. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt like to me an opportunity for her to do a little bit more protection of her patient when she kind of just like shrugs her mm, shoulders mm, to the point where mm. the dude storms off.
1: But I will say in a, in an episode, a few months ago, we had a, a situation where Carter and Chen, I believe lied to protect a patient and Carrie told them not to do that. Well, that was yeah so i I, yeah, I, I know what say. you're saying
3: I do know what you're saying but I do I don't feel like it's a one to one comparison but difference of opinion but we will certainly get to know what happens with mr and mrs Parker here in just a little bit
0: uh we go over to Luca with the now having the correct information uh, tells mr Simpson about his leukemia and apparently there's about a 60 percent survival rate at the five-year mark with with a bone marrow transplant and roughly half of that without one Oof. yeah so uh, he doesn't have any brothers or sisters or living parents to be tested so but his, and his son he does have a son who's only eight so they're gonna try to see if maybe they can get te- tested and get him to be a match
1: yeah which the dad seems horrified by because yeah. yeah. he doesn't want to put his son through it but
0: especially when it's not going to give him all that much longer in well it would give him it would give him a
3: very messy yeah, it would give him a better chance but uh, certainly no guarantees or anything and call back to the uh Scotty Anspaugh storyline uh be yep. in the fucking bone marrow registry it takes mm-hmm. no time at all and and no no real effort on your part and you might yep. help save somebody's Please life be the dot org mm-hmm. I believe is the yeah.
0: website
1: yep yep yep. yep. Uh, then Lizzie confronts Cleo about Eli as she's called down for a potential APPE, uh exam on one of Cleo's patients. And Cleo slaps back about it, to which uh, Lizzie just says, nope, a simple yes, Elizabeth will do. Give me more of this. Do you? Just do you understand me? Yes, simple. Yes, Elizabeth. Will like do. if we
3: could, if we could pencil in a standing appointment on the schedule for every episode for this, like where we just have Cleo and Lizzie have like a fucking just like it's not a, you can't even call it a cat fight. It's 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 more intense than that. Like it's there's this like simmering heat between the two of them. It's just like mm, I love it. I inject this into my veins. This is the most interesting I've ever found, Cleo.
1: Daniel, this is how people end up writing fa- uh, fan fiction. Is the I welcome
3: like it. That. Le- coming soon to a Who's fixer those do near you-, you?
1: Do you need do you need some uh, Cleo and Elizabeth uh <laughs> Catfight fanfic? Do it. Uh but then oh, Pablo is back again. Uh they swept his street and took all of his stuff. He's likely drunk. Um and he lashes out a little bit at Carol while she's trying to put an IV in for the banana bag, and she, Carol and Carter are working on him together. And Carter asks her to call security, and tries to put him in soft restraints. And she and he gives him Haldol right away, like from this, from a tiny little like kind of swatting Carol away. He immediately sedates Pablo, and Carol's like, "What the fuck? It's Pablo!" And Carter's like, "Well, he was getting violent," and Carol's like. They don't come any gentler. It's Pablo. So clearly, Carter's got some unresolved issues. Yeah, he happening
3: he there. practically has a nom flashback. Like he he really yeah. like. Which I almost wish they had leaned more into that. Like I wouldn't have had him throw his little temper tantrum after the fact. I would have just had him storm out of the room. Like that yeah. to me would have been a more effective, uh, you know, punchline of just like yeah, he's this dude's still struggling. Like this, the what happened to him a few weeks ago is by no means like over and done with he is still very
0: much struggling with that so that tip brings us in right into our next audio clip here carter's talking to carol after after that
2: hey you got any four by fours in here uh
1: let me check
2: zero four adeptic
1: they're not in here they're definitely in the suture room hold on carter i'm still
2: looking here we go what's going on with you what do you mean pablo I mean your overreaction to Pablo. Or am I now overreacting to your overreacting? I was just trying to be careful. Maybe it was a bad call. You okay? Yeah, I think so. I know what it's like to have your life change up on you, you know? I mean, a year ago I was living with Doug. Now I'm living alone with two babies. Go figure. Yeah. takes a while to deal with it, to get used to it. I think you still need to get used to it. Lucy matched. Oh, God. Where? Here. Got a spot in psych. Go figure. There's always gonna be something, Carter. Well, what are you gonna do? Go back to work.
3: I remembered that the match letter thing came through, but I did not remember the specifically the psych part of it. Like I, uh, I thought that was much more of like a fantasy, fantasy booking no, thing. On d- all, of our it's friends. definitely
0: Cannon. one of the things. That, one of the best things I think that they could do with Lucy's character after the mm. fact, mm-hmm. considering how good she was yeah.
1: and how she passed.
0: Yeah.
3: But yeah and they also seemed like it was a very uh jarring transition to go from what happened in the last scene to this one, right I mean, I know I know we needed to get to this little emotional beat between the two of them, but like it seemed like they both got over what happened in the previous scene very quickly, like well,
0: I suppose there's a commercial break in between, yeah. these two scenes, but
3: I
1: feel like they almost should do the next scene first and then yeah, this.
3: break yeah. it up
0: just a tiny bit because it was just kind of a jarring
3: transition to go from him like throwing a temper tantrum and like tossing uh trays around and shit and then like all of a sudden they're cool again like it was odd but a good moment uh, nonetheless and uh one that um we really haven't seen very much of in a long time right carol and carter is not a pair that has been crossing paths very often
1: not at all all
0: right uh from one audio clip into another let's uh listen in to david and mark chatting at dinner
2: She's not really Swedish. What? This is Fredrickson. She's married to a sweet, but she's Dutch. So you did actually talk to her? No, Mark, I didn't do the talking. She yapped and yapped and yapped. And finally, uh, halfway through watching Rosie O'Donnell, I told her to stick her damn thumb in her dike and shut the hell up. You didn't. Sure I did. Told her to stick her damn thumb in her dike, uh, she got what I'm in, and, and it worked. Not another word. It, what is this? Meatloaf. It's the only recipe of mom's I can ever remember. Where's it's the good. egg? What egg? Your mother used to cook it with a hard-boiled egg in the middle, and you get a little sliver with each slice. I, I didn't remember that. I never much liked the egg, anyway. I always ate around it. Okay. Work was pretty decent today. That's good. So, anything happened here? Like what? I don't know. Maybe you and Mrs. Fredrickson did something. what the hell would we do, Mark? Play Parcheesi? Dad, forget it, okay? <clears throat> Just uh, try to make conversation. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Your mother used to serve us with peas, I think. Not not with string beans. Yeah, I guess so.
3: Oh this man is a treasure. Must be I'm sorry. And the Dutch.
1: <laughs> it's so weird to me that he calls them string beans cuz I always grew up with them being called green beans. Yeah, oh same. that's
3: yeah, to me string beans and green beans are two distinctly different Oh, are yeah, they? like String beans are more stringy. Like they're they're a different It's still a green bean, but it's more of a like stringy variety, but like green beans are green beans. Like it's two different things in my mind, but
1: I don't know. I I don't think I've ever really heard anything referred to as a string bean. Maybe I'm just not eating enough vegetables, but it could. I just know be- I'm not. Look at it; hence the garden.
3: <laughs> uh. That just reminded me of every uh, conversation that I had with somebody in either 2020 or 2021. Like, like, what what'd you do today? What would I have done?
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like it's it's amazing. Collab chat lasted as long as it did, considering all of us were just in our houses.
0: Yeah, like I'm still in my house. Yeah, like for very oh. for different reasons. But...
1: You can at least go to the movies again, though.
0: It's true. I played Fire Emblem for four hours today. <laughs>
1: Woo! Um, but yeah, also take your thumb and stick it up your dike. <laughs>
0: Right after I don't even know what that means.
3: What orifice is that?
1: Is be- it shut your yeah, mouth? I believe in this is I'm it, assuming it's shove it up in, your ass. In this particular
3: something. context, I think he means mouth, but uh using that word following uh, immediately following a Rosie O'Donnell reference was yeah. a little bit on the nose. <laughs> but uh yep. yeah. Boy another qu- quaint which feels like a little bit of a holdover at this I guess she her show probably was still airing at this point. Yeah. But to me I mm-hmm. always think of that as a nineties thing. Like I always think of no. her
1: it would have been like, it would have been into like the early aughts, yeah. but kind of like survivor. That's, that's an early aughts thing, not a nineties thing. That, well, that
3: I think of an early but, aughts thing, but okay. for some Fair. reason, I always think of Rosie O'Donnell as a nineties a phenomenon, but, uh, but yeah, so certainly, uh, they're, they're trying David and Mark, like they're, they're I, that, I really love that. Um, that little bit of dialogue too, from David, where he's like, uh, he uh, he does the thing about the egg, and then he can kind of see that that hurt Mark's feelings a little bit, mm-hmm. and he immediately like kind of pivots in his gruff, grumpy sort of way, where he was like, "Well, I never liked
0: the the egg part anyway.
3: Like it was just
0: uh, correction from the correction desk." Roseanne ended properly in 1997. Uh, oh well, shit, we were talking about Rosie O'Donnell, so that's Rosie O'Donnell. Two <laughs> different- oh, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> different- wow, excuse me, <laughs>
3: different boisterous white woman from the 90s. <laughs>
0: I did get them confused quite
3: a bit. I can see why. I can see why. Uh, They've gone in very different directions in the years since, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh,
1: And I just Googled green beans and string beans are the same.
3: Yeah. No, they are the same, but they're just like, it's a different like preparation thing. I I will show you, I'll have to show you a picture later of what I know The Rosie O'Donnell show was at
0: 2002. See? There you go.
3: In any event, we go from there. Abby is uh, up in uh, the OB ward and finds the husband waiting up there. And this is a real weird little interaction here where he's complete 180 different from how he was down in the ER where he was, like, basically stamping his feet and, like, yelling and demanding to know where his wife was. And here he, like, starts out by apologizing for letting his emotions get the best of him and says that, you know... Oh, she was just run down and got depressed and calls it a moment of weakness Ugh. and i at this point <sighs> before she went in the room, I don't know how the the two of you felt, but at this point before she went in the room, I was like, "I don't think she went through with it like yeah, i I thought yeah, i thought he stopped I, he thought. I think he stopped yeah. it at like and that it just like I had this like pit in my stomach as I was watching it, like the whole i mean it's mm-hmm. still not great, but it was really like. Mm and yeah so she goes into the room and talks with the with supermom and uh you know the the heartbreaking line from her cuz i think she's also she's delirious from the anesthesia at this point too yeah wouldn't be surprised and uh she says like kind of meekly that they'll be able to try again soon and that he forgave her which is just like the whole horrifying th- bit, right The whole thing is just so fucking dystopian, and I just hate it so much.
1: It's you're right, Daniel. It is horrifying the way that they wrap that.
3: Yeah, like it's, I can't like it's not a happy ending by any stretch. No, it's not like a, it's not the darkest timeline, but it's certainly not one of the brighter ones. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like it could have been. I feel like the worst timeline would have been. That either he hurt her or that he, like, burst into the room and, like, you know, stopped it from happening and, like, just basically forced her to carry this kid. Like I don't know. Like, I just feel like there are worse – not many, but I feel like there are worse ways that the story could have ended.
1: And all of those definitely happen. Uh-huh.
3: Oh, they sure do. Yeah. Uh, this is, again, hit at a real strange time for us to be covering this episode given what was – uh, the news of the, the week and uh, it was really sobering to think of just like this is a, one of those things of like not much has changed in this regard and if it has it has changed for the worse like it has it, it has definitely not gotten better it's either exactly the same as it was or it's arguably worse and that sucks Um, but we go down to the lounge where Chuni and Connie are looking at pictures of uh Carol's twins, and uh, they bring up that Luca had two kids, and uh, there's this little conversation between the three of them, uh, and then Luca comes in to grab his jacket because he's going out to the uh, ambulance bay to meet a trauma, and Carol follows him out there and asks to see some pictures of his kids, and he has a picture of his daughter, uh, Jasna
1: I think it was Yasna,
3: Yasna, um, at her fourth birthday party. Uh, cannot remember if this is one of, I, I know at one point they screw up the wife and daughter names, they get them flipped. So I can't remember if this is one of them or not, but like, as we've mentioned before, Luca's backstory is a hot mess. Um, but he has a picture of her at her fourth birthday party, uh, and he doesn't have any pictures of his son mm-hmm. and says that he is, it's a miracle. He has the one he does of his daughter. Like, so you get the impression that he had to leave quickly from Croatia like he didn't get the chance to sit or or they were all destroyed you know in whatever conflict you know there was and it's just very very sad and he this really fucking powerful line from him here at the end where he says to see Marco his son he says to see Marco I just have to close my eyes and he's there usually with chocolate ice cream on his face and hands
1: and there's I'm not, I'm not crying You're there's crying. so much love and warmth in the way he delivers yeah. this too, like You can tell this is a man who's grieved, who, you know, obviously it still hurts, but like.
3: Yeah, it's still fresh.
1: It's just fond.
3: Yeah. And somebody makes, I'm not going to like spoil it here because somebody does bring it up in the, the listener responses, but there's an excellent little bit of like set dressing or set design choice here. That really um, enhances this moment and makes it even better, I think. But I, I don't want to like steal the thunder okay. from this person who pointed it out in the listener responses. But it's just it's an excellent little choice that they made to have this scene where they had it and shoot it the way they shot it. It's just really really good.
1: Uh, then we go over to Cleo is checking on Benton in the on call room, and she just goes in and snuggles up to him. That's it. Just That's okay. Cute. 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 Yeah. Hashtag right. bench. Hashtag <laughs> hashtag bench. Um carter is at gamma's in the kitchen and he's just getting himself a little snack and corinne the housekeeper presumably wakes up thinking the dog got in and offers to make him some food he's like no i'm good i just couldn't sleep you're good and we and he looks up at the clock and it's 2 15 a.m as he is pouring himself a glass of milk
3: and Corinne, better known as Gamma, was not available this week, uh, played by actress Mary Margaret Lewis, uh, who appeared in stuff like Cold Case, Desperate Housewives, and Saint Elsewhere. Uh, this is the one and only appearance of Corinne. so I really think this would this scene would have gone a lot better if this was gamma. <laughs> like I, I really feel like this is a prime Carter gamma scene, and yeah. they just couldn't get her this week or something because they have Corinne stand in for her instead.
0: And all right, let's wrap up the episode with our last audio clip here. Uh, some things have gone wrong in the in the nighttime at the Green household.
2: Mark! Mark! Dad! Mark! Just a second. What's wrong, Dad? I told you this damn stuff would get in the way. Ow. What happened? Oh, I was trying to get to the bathroom. I got tangled up in these wires in the tube. Oh. Damn! I'm sorry. I, I should have moved this stuff. Yeah. Oh, I should be able to get up and go to the bathroom by myself. It's my fault, Dad. I should have left the lamp on. I tried, but I got tangled up and <clears throat> right, it's no big deal, Dad. Oh, my pajamas are soaked. Yeah, well, don't worry. We'll get you a fresh pair. I haven't wet the bed since I was five. <sighs> Dad, just sit down here, okay? I'm gonna put the shower on and let warm up. You shouldn't have to do this, Mark. Uh, think how many times you did this for me when I was little. Oh, I'm a grown man. Whoa, 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 wait a wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh. This, this isn't right, Mark. just isn't right right. I know dad I know let's rest for a minute
3: excellent breathing acting by John Collum there like good Mm -hmm. very good very believable belabored breathing acting
0: yeah
3: very raspy yeah oof that's rough bleak way to end the episode yeah we're Coming to the home stretch is the next episode. I can't remember. It's yeah, but it's certainly before the season is out, so it's yeah, yeah,
0: it's
3: yeah. uh, knew that, but yeah, it, uh, what more can you say? I mean, it's just it's it's tough to watch, but at the same time, it's very exceptionally well done, like the As a from mm-hmm. a uh, a story that's never been like I don't think anyway, never been like a main focus it's it's kind of been this story that's been an undercurrent in the background going back all the way to season four uh it just has it has always been consistently good and it has always been something that wasn't always easy to watch but it was always well done
1: and having being someone whose parent has been in a home and mm. has needed this you know like end of life stage care yep same it's it's they are not parent but yeah. they they nail it mm-hmm. marks you know stoicism as he tries to be strong for both of them and yeah i mean granted you know he should be listening to his dad and dad should just be in hospice but within that the way he's gentle with david and the way he just says yep let's just take it slow you know Mm -hmm. like he doesn't infantilize him he acknowledges that it sucks yeah and they get through like just you can tell it's two men trying their best to navigate this new dynamic of an already troubled relationship and it's beautiful and it's yeah.
0: Yeah. See, the whole thing is, the whole thing is undermined by me because of uh, Mark's deceit. Like the fact that, yeah. Mark, the, the fact that Dave should be in a home. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's I'm unforgivable a... to me that he's not, yeah, and I'll be—I will be perfectly honest. I mean, I was really—I
3: uh, was with you every step of the way last episode with that, and that—that that was a, a huge problem and and everything. But I'll be perfectly honest; I forgot all about it this episode. Like I, it, it, and it's—it is still a problem, but it didn't, I guess, detract for it as much for me because I just simply Same. forgot all about it, um, as a plot point. But, um, yeah,
0: just in the—it's just in the back of my mind. It can't niggles. Yeah, that's sure. That's we'll go with that just just a little scratch in the back of my mind whenever I'm watching this storyline. Mm-hmm.
3: Overall, I, like I said earlier, I think I think we are trending in the right direction. I think we're getting out we're, we're starting to dig our way out of the soft, squishy part of the season and and head into that fun roller coaster ride that is the last couple of episodes before a season finale. Mm-hmm. Um but and this this episode I think I think if they'd have focused a little bit more on um for whatever reason uh, like i was saying earlier in the episode the 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 dot connection between lucy's letter and carter's behavior isn't strong enough like it isn't it isn't well established enough they didn't do enough to really connect those dots for me to make it the central kind of um conflict in the episode and Mm. you know the the other a plot really with abby and supermom like that is pretty well done i mean pretty like pretty expertly executed um but it's just not a particularly fun storyline to think about especially given current events so it's just like it leaves you feeling kind of hollow at the end where there's just not a ton to sink your teeth into except for in my opinion the david and mark stuff the david and mark stuff i think is the glue that's kind of holding this episode together with to a lesser extent um uh honorable mention to cleo and lizzie the Cleo and Lizzie conflict stuff is really excellent. And I really like that a lot, but overall I think I couldn't give this episode more than about a seven.
0: Yeah. That's about where I've landed. Maybe 6.5. Yeah. Like
3: we're getting there. We're getting, you can see kind of, if you squint, you can see that the, the end of the season is, is fast approaching and that we're starting to, like I said with Carol, it really feels like somebody just noticed how many episodes she has left in her contract and that we have to fucking wrap this shit up. So it feels like we've hit the fast forward button on her a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're getting there, but we're just not quite there yet.
0: I think the biggest critique for this episode that I can give it or the biggest, the, the worst thing I can say about it is the fact that we watched it, what, two days ago, mm-hmm. Lauren? Yeah. And I forgot I'd nearly everything about it already.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah. That is until always... We started
0: going through it. still we started going through It's just completely unmemorable.
3: Yeah. There, that is always a struggle. Like, depending on what day of the week you watch versus when we record, sometimes... I do need to rem- I do need to refresh my memory and look at the notes to be like, oh yeah, that was the episode I just watched three days ago or whatever. Yeah, and this is totally one of those where I like had to kind of like the except for the Abby storyline because it was so like punch you in the face like this is what's happening right now. Everything else though, I definitely had to like remind myself like, oh yeah, Ab- uh, Carter does have his little like moment with Carol and like there's all these little like little moments in there that I had just completely brain dumped.
1: Also, I I just want to touch on this here. I know like we've joked this whole time since Luca showed up about, oh God, you know, Luca and Carol are so bad together and blah, blah, blah. I'm still seeing them as just really good friends here. Like the, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. still not seeing it as a forced shift. This whole getting, time, the way we talked about it, I was thinking that it was gonna be like this whole season-long thing. Oh, I was Will too. They, won't they? I'm getting no. I'm having fucking
3: uh, season four Carter Delamico flashbacks yeah. where I keep waiting for them to kiss, and apparently we're gonna get to the end of the season and like nothing's gonna have happened, and we'll yeah. have all completely, collectively Mandela affected a whole field trip to Wrigley Field. Like we'll have completely just misremembered that they ever did anything together.
1: But but I'm just saying, like as of this episode, I still think they're a beautiful friendship. I love the way she asks about his kids. Yeah, I I love what they have so far. Yeah,
3: I've have, I have always felt that 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 is fine. That part of it does not bother me at all. It is. It is I'm when just they get I'm to just that.
1: saying it. I read ahead on some of our listener comments, so I wanted to get out in front of that before I interrupted the comments themselves.
0: Well, well what did the listener say about Lauren?
1: Melinda S. I'm sorry that I was calling you out on that, but I saw your comment and I needed to. Proactively editorialized uh Carrie Green for this gen Xer she is for she is forever. nope, I can't read that's not a period. That's a dot on my screen for this gen Xer, she is forever Andy from the Goonies or Maggie from Lucas, but this role is a close third when I think of her. another tough subject that e r tackled in the mid nineties with grace, crazy to think that a woman doesn't feel like she can make her own choice about her own body without her husband having something to say about it. Knowing Abby's personal experience with abortion that we discover in a later season, I wonder what is going through her mind, and if she thinks she made the right decision for herself. Carol and Luca never worked for me. Not a fan. Carol starts to pull away from him in this episode, and the weird tension is palpable in in their scenes together after the woman assumes they are a family with the twins. No disrespect to Carol, but by this point in my multiple rewatches, I'm just ready for her to move on with Doug. Daniel is fist-pumping in the (laughs) background. Um, They kind of drag it out a little slower than I'd prefer, but I'm not a huge Carol fan, so my opinion is not so objective. Yosh, you're awesome. We could all use a good discussion more often. John Cullum is still my favorite character on the show. Each episode makes me tear up a bit more as we near his heartbreaking end. Audrey T says, not good, Cleo, pinning the surgeons against each other. Oh my gosh. Hello, the Wonder Years dad. I forgot he was on this show too. Cue the intro music. If you plan on being the perfect mother, you might as well fail now, while they're still too young to remember. Great words, Mark Green. At Leah1989 says, There was a common thread in this episode relating to some of the isolating aspects of caregiving relationships. Carol juggling raising her twins alone, the mom of five Abby cares for struggling to manage it all, now dealing with another pregnancy, and Mark navigating caring for his ailing dad as his dad struggles with the loss of much of his own independence and his shifting relationship with Mark and the revelation that Luca doesn't even have one photo of his son left. What a way to show how things can change so drastically. As he talks to Carol, the train speeds by above, casting casting around flashes of light, almost like an old movie reel. They look up and it's gone as fast as it appeared. He closes his eyes and brings his son's image to mind, as the moments must flash through his memory. That was such a great bit of scene setting, What I took away from this episode is things don't always get easier, they just get different. All in all, this one feels somber and heavily impacted by the shadow of the All in the Family events. To varying degrees, almost everyone feels caught under a dark cloud of sorts. Yeah, that is almost enough to make me want to give it like a solid 7.5. Yeah, like Just I said, like- the,
3: the, the, the the that bit there in the last paragraph about the, the old movie thing, like, uh, mm-hmm. I read that comment before I watched the episode. So I was specifically looking for it as I was watching the mm-hmm. episode. And she's absolutely right. Like it is it had oh, had cool. to have been an uh, intentional choice, I think. And it does add so much to the scene uh, when you're watching it. So an excellent catch there. I I think that's awesome.
0: All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash sign podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over forty-five hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member and whose fix are those, where Lauren reads some ER fan fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Tone Podcast. And we are at Saiyan the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Set the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel where can folks, find you at...
3: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And
0: Laura, where can folks find you at...
1: Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lobob92345, advocating for abortion rights for all uterus-having individuals. Hell Not yeah! Not just women have babies, yo. Everybody deserves safe and legal abortion access. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so mad about this, everybody. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs>
0: it's 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 a righteous thing to be mad.
3: Something about. Uh, something about that suck it was weirdly cathartic. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> I I give you permission to keep it in.
0: Anyway, you can also find me on Twitter. Not telling people to suck it. I don't. I don't know what's going on here.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: at Random Gamer that's G M3R. Thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week.